Good morning. Joseph Davidson here. Of course, in my day, I was known as Joseph, the son of David, but uh, you people shorten everything. So uh, Joseph Davidson, just don't call me JD. I suppose you've come this morning because you want to hear the story. It's good for you to want to hear the story. Such a story as this can, can fill your heart with, with hope and joy and love and make your spirit soar. For almost 2,000 years now, people have been telling and retelling this story. And yet it never grows old. How can it grow old? It's eternal. And eternal things don't grow old. Like your current top 40, some bestseller list. Though it was acted out in our little world. It did not come from here. It came from God. It came from God because he came from God. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm sorry. I always do that when I, when I tell the story. Uh, you have never heard the story the way you're getting ready to hear it this morning. That is, of course, unless you've heard me tell it. <laughs> because I am that very Joseph who was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Mathan, who was the son of Eliezer, who was descended from King David. I could trace my lineage for you all the way back to King David. But I'm not going to do that this morning. Because you would not find that very interesting. You see, ancestry is important to us Jews. Not so we can brag and say, well, my ancestor was the great so-and-so who did the great such-and-such. No, no. It's because when you know your ancestry, you know where you came from. And when you know where you came from, then you are a long way towards knowing who you are. A lot of your people today have no idea where they came from. And guess what? They don't know who they are. I praise God that I was descended from David. Not because that makes me better than than any other man. No, no. But had I not been descended from King David, I would not be here telling you this story this morning. Though I was descended from kings, I myself was not a king. I was a carpenter. Not that there's anything wrong with being a carpenter. I often hear people of your day speak of it as if it were some sort of disease or something. They say he was born into the home of a humble carpenter. How do they know I was humble? I mean, really, you can have very little and still be very proud and very arrogant. You can also have a lot of material things and be very humble. It's hard, but you can be that way. Carpenters, we were sort of like, uh, well, the middle class before there was a middle class. You know, most of the people were farmers or, or shepherds. You know, I had a trade. I was a carpenter. I was born in Bethlehem myself. But uh, when I was very young, my parents moved up north to Nazareth. And, and that's where I grew up. That's where I apprent- apprenticed. And that's where I eventually applied my trade. Now, I was like, uh, well, any other young man. I, I worked hard. I went to the synagogue every Sabbath, and I kept my eye out for a good wife. I'll never forget the first time I saw Mary. 
Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd seen her around, you know, growing up and everything. But, I mean, the first time I really saw her, you know how it is. You, one day she's just there, and, and, and then the next day hers is the only face you can see. And everywhere you go, it's like your eyes are, are searching the corners of the room looking for her. And as soon as they find her, they just automatically turn and look at her. It's like they have a mind of their own or something. It happened to me in the synagogue. Mary and some friends were coming in the door and she smiled. <laughs> but there was just something about the way the sunlight caught that smile that I knew this is the one that I want for my wife. Little did I know what that decision would involve. I went and I told the rabbi my, uh, my feelings for Mary. Uh, you see, in our culture, uh, it would not have been proper for me to go to Mary's family and ask for her. Uh, normally, it would be one of the older relatives, but, but my mother and father were both dead, and, and we had no other close relatives living there, so uh, the rabbi could do the job for, for me. So I went and I, I told the rabbi, and, and he was very supportive of my feelings for Mary. And he said that he would go and he would speak to her family that very week. That was the longest week of my life. Have you ever noticed that some weeks have more than seven days in them? Have you ever noticed that some days have more than 24 hours in them? I don't know how many days this week had in it, but I know they all had more than 24 hours in them. But on the day before the next Sabbath, the rabbi finally came to me, and after a, after a little good-natured teasing, he told me it was done. Mary and I were betrothed. Now, that may seem a little sudden to some of you people, but I had known her. I was acquainted with her, and in our culture, betrothal lasted for a long time, usually for at least a year. And during that time, the couple are considered to be as good as married, only the, uh, the, the groom you know, doesn't take the, the bride home and, and, and you know, lie with her. During those first few weeks, it was wonderful. I, I, I spent... Sometime every day with Mary, getting to know her better and better. And then at night, I would go home and I would pray and I would thank the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I could hardly believe my good fortune at finding such a wife. Not only was she beautiful, but she was witty and charming and, and, and skillful and virtuous. Oh, yes, Mary was virtuous. Well, this went on for, for a few weeks and everything was wonderful. And then one day I, I noticed that something was wrong. Something was, was troubling Mary. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I, I was beginning to wonder if maybe she was displeased with me or something. And so I resolved to ask her what was wrong. I was a very young man myself at the time, and I did not know much about women. I did not know that you do not actually get any information out of a woman by asking her what is wrong. In fact, the truth is, it, it, it kind of stirs them up a little bit. It, it, it sort of aggravates them, you know, and, and they just get deeper into whatever it is. 
there's a game involved that you're supposed to play. And, and, and it's either juvenile and infuriating or it's, it's mysterious and, and, and wonderful, depending upon your point of view and, and just how whacked out you are. We played the game for, for a while, and then finally, finally Mary told me what was wrong. And when she did, when she did, it was like, it was like all of the lights in the world had been turned off. It was like some, some demon had, had stolen into the, the atmosphere and, and sucked all of the, the warmth and and joy and love and all of the reasons for living out of it. Because Mary, my sweet, young, virtuous Mary, was going to have a baby. And I swear I had not touched her in that way. Well, she could see I was not taking this very well. And so she decided to tell me everything. And when she did, I, I thought, I, I, I don't know what I thought. She, she told me that an angel had appeared to her and had told her that she was going to, to give birth to the Messiah, to the Holy One of Israel. And when she had asked the angel how this could happen since she was a virgin, The angel had told her that that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the Holy Seed would be planted in her. I just, I just left. I I needed to to, to be alone and have some time to think. Some of the time I would think, uh, What if she really is going to have the Messiah? And then some of the time I would think, what kind of a fool does she take me for? But most of the time I just ended up thinking that I was betrothed to a crazy woman. I went and I I told the rabbi. See, in our culture, for a betrothal to end required a divorce and and if that were going to happen, the rabbi would have to represent me. So he was going to find out anyway. So I went and I told him. And he was no less shocked than I about Mary's condition. But being somewhat older and, and, and wiser, he advised me to, to wait a few more days. And he said that I should not just think about it, but that I should, I should ask the Lord to speak to me. I didn't know that the Lord would speak to one like me. But the rabbi says the Lord can speak to anybody. What did I have to lose? He was right. Everything was lost already. And according to the law of Moses, I could have had her stoned. Of course, we didn't actually stone people much in those days. The, the current method was public humiliation. But I decided that I was not going to do that. Because in spite of Mary's obvious unfaithfulness, I did love her. And so I decided that I would just simply put her away quietly. 
But on the day that I made that decision, that very night, I had the most vivid dream of my entire life. An angel came and appeared to me. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. When I woke up, it was like all the lights had been turned back on. And, and all, all of the warmth and the joy and the love and, and, and the meaning had been pumped back into, the, into life. I could hardly wait to tell Mary. Well, it, it had been several days since we'd seen each other. And, and when, I, when I went to see her, I could tell that she was, she was fearing the worst. I could see the, the anxiety and, 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 and even the fear on her face. It touched my heart. I couldn't, couldn't tease her. I just said, Mary, it's all right. I believe you. It was the most wonderful moment of my life. Well, now the, the problem was the rabbi. I mean, how, how was he not going to think that we had made all of this up? I mean, really, to, to cover over our wrongdoing. But when I went to him, I was very surprised. He, he, uh, he was among those who was eagerly desiring to see Messiah come. And he had been studying the prophets. And, and he said that the prophet Isaiah had prophesied that Messiah would indeed be born of a virgin. Well, this was, this was almost too much to take. I mean, after all, who could believe that my Mary was the virgin that Isaiah had spoke of? But then I thought, somebody's got to be the virgin. She's certainly the one that I would choose. Well, the next few months went by and they were fairly uneventful. We decided, though, that, that Mary should go and visit her cousin Elizabeth down, down south in the mountains of Judea. Because, uh, well, Elizabeth was a good deal older than Mary, and she was barren. Everyone knew that. She couldn't have children. But Mary had also said that when the angel came and told her about this child, that he told her that her cousin Elizabeth was going to have a child. And we had received word that she indeed was with child. So Mary went down to visit Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. And when she came back, she was, she was just bursting with news because it seems that Elizabeth's child had also been foretold by, by an angel before he came. And not only that, not only that, when Elizabeth first saw Mary, she greeted her by calling her the mother of our Lord. It was very exciting, <laughs> but it didn't last very long because within a couple of days, the rabbi sent for me with some bad news. He had continued to study the prophets and he said that the prophet Micah had written this, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over my people Israel, one who's going forth. It's from of old, from ancient times. 
And the rabbi said that this was about Messiah, and it meant that Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. But I was born in Bethlehem, I said. That's my hometown. The rabbi just shook his head. No. Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. I felt sick. (coughs) I hadn't felt this bad since since Mary told me she was going to have a baby. But when I went to tell Mary, she took it very calmly. She just smiled and she said, God will provide a way. Women. I mean, who who can understand them? She was right, of course. Well, time went by and I was beginning to be very concerned. I mean, Mary could dress in such a way as as to cover her condition. But when the baby came, he couldn't be concealed. And then one day, the rabbi sent an urgent message to me. He said, it's an emergency. So I, I came running to him. and I thought he was sick or something. And when, I, when I got there, he didn't look sick. Uh, he, looked, he looked happy. And I said, what's, what's the matter? What's the emergency? He said, Joseph, I have just received a decree from the Roman governor to read to all the people. But I wanted to tell you first. Well, what is it? What is a decree? He said, Caesar Augustus himself has declared that the enti- there should be a census taken of the entire Roman world. Well, I thought about that for a minute, and I said, well, that's, that's good news. I mean, for most of the people, that would not be a problem. But for us Jews, I mean, everyone's going to have to go back to their ancestral home to be registered in a census. And that means that some people are going to have to leave places they've lived their entire lives to go to places far away that they've never even seen and they don't even know anybody. I mean, the entire social and, and, and economic fabric of the land is, is going to be ripped apart for this, this stupid census. And, and and I was getting aggravated with this rabbi because the more I complained, the, the, the happier he seemed to be. And he finally said, yes, Joseph, son of David. It means that you and your new wife are going to have to leave Nazareth. Well, it was obvious that he was not disturbed by the geopolitical implications of this thing. And now he was becoming personal about it. Yeah, we're going to have to leave Nazareth. Didn't he understand that Mary's in no condition to travel, seeing that she's getting ready? And that's when it hit me. Bethlehem. We were going to have to go to Bethlehem. And that right away. And and the rabbi just laughed and laughed when what I knew in my brain started to show on my face, you know. And then I just started to laugh and laugh. and, And then I started to cry. And he started to cry. And then we were both laughing and crying. And we we were dancing around the room together. But best of all, I was the one who would get to tell the news to Mary. I think she would have been a lot more excited about it had she not been nine months pregnant. (laughs) But even as it was, she was happy. Being from Nazareth, which isn't exactly one of your media centers in Israel... We were not among the first to hear the news. And so we were going to have to leave right away. And we also were considering that we were probably going to be staying in Bethlehem for a pretty good while. 
So we packed up everything we could. I packed up my tools. We sold a few things. We, we gave a few things away. I, I put Mary on the donkey and, and off we went. I won't bore you with the, the details of the journey. If you've ever traveled anywhere with a pregnant woman, you probably already know the details of the journey. But it was 75 miles from Bethlehem, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And I, I, I figured that uh, if we made good time, we, four, maybe five days would be how long it would take. Through it all, Mary was great. She never complained. Not, not to me, anyway. But I could tell, especially those last couple of days, that it was, it was very hard on her. And I began to pray desperately under my breath. Oh, God, please don't let the birth of this child cost me the life of my new wife. The end of the fourth day, we, uh, we made it to Bethlehem. It, it, it was a little town. I remembered that, but I'd never seen so many people there. We, we no longer knew anyone there, so there was no one we could stay with. And all of the inns, the few that there were, were completely filled. But God had mercy on us. And he caused one of the innkeepers to take pity. And, and he allowed us to stay in a, in a cave behind this inn. And then later, a couple of hours after we settled in, I heard that most wonderful sound in the whole wide world. Sound of a newborn baby cry. I can't tell you, 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 uh, or you think you like your Christmas presents and, and stuff. My present was Mary was alive. And the baby? <laughs> it was a boy. Oh, I, I know, I know, I should have. But sometimes, you know, you, can't, you doubt. But it was a boy, just as we have been told. I certainly hadn't had time to build a, a, a cradle or a crib or anything and and so I, 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 cleaned, I cleaned out one of the feeding troughs and I took some clean straw and I, and I put it in there. And, and, uh, and the innkeeper's wife was, was kind enough to bring some, some straps, strips of cloth. And so Mary took those strips of cloth and wrapped the baby in them and, and put him in the manger. Later on that night after we had settled down, there was a, there was a commotion outside. It was some men. I was afraid it was bandits. I mean, all these people on the road and traveling and everything, bandits were sure to be about, but, but it was shepherds, turned out. When I went out to see them, they said, is he here? Is who here? I said. I was, you know, feeling kind of gruff there. <laughs> the one that we were told about, the one who's... Born to be king of the Jews. And then they told us how that very night, angels had appeared to them and told them that the Savior of the world had been born in Bethlehem. And that the sign that they would know him by 
would be they would find him wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. Needless to say, this this was very encouraging. Well, that's... uh, that's not the end of the story. I, I, I could tell you about uh, Magi coming from the east later on, and the great star. And, and, then all, and then after they came, an angel appeared to me and, and, and told me to take the child and his mother and, and move to Egypt. And we did. And then later we came back and ended up back in Nazareth. But th- this is enough for today. That's my story, and you know, he really wasn't my son. No, he wasn't. He really was the son of God. And people sometimes ask me, they say, Joseph, what, what, if, you had, uh, what if you had said no? What if you had not taken Mary home and, and all of this? Well, what then? He would have still been born. He would still be the savior of the world. Because that was God's plan. And God's plan cannot be stopped. By saying yes, I just simply got to be a part of it. I had the privilege of watching him be born and and watching him grow up. You see, my story, my, my, my life is completely interwoven into the story of Mary's son, Jesus. I wonder about you. What about, what about your story? Do you, do you know him? Have you, have you said yes? Is your life interwoven with his life? If so, well, maybe... Maybe we'll run into each other one day in eternity, huh? Yeah. And then we can sit down and I'll, uh, I'll tell you the rest of my story. Yeah. And you can tell me yours. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like that very much.